Hello, this is Talking Sports with Evan, and I want to thank you all for listening, watching, however you consume my my show here. And two nights in a row, here I am bringing you a show. And uh, but tonight, though, I think it would be it was a uh, very important to have a special guest on my show. I haven't had him on in a while. I didn't realize that until recently. It's like it's been a minute since uh, the Kevin Holden has joined the show, and I had to get him on for a very important topic, and it's that. The topic at hand that everybody wants to know, who do you got winning the NCAA tournament this year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and how is your bracket looking so far? <laughs> 12, I wasn't waiting for a question about the field of 68. Well, so so we have a uh, – first of all, thanks for having me back on, Evan. We always have a blast, and uh, glad you glad you have me back. We, uh, we So we do a website uh, – a, a bracket on our website, cbs58.com, and – on that uh, bracket, I've got Marquette making it to the national championship game, but losing to Houston. And uh, it's one of those things where it, it's weird. I'm, I'm usually okay in the brackets. I don't know if I'm necessarily the guy to pick, but man, wouldn't it be something if Marquette uh, can advance that far and get all the way to the title game? Yeah, it definitely would be. And I hope my jinx doesn't happen because I did uh, I last night's show, I went through five teams that I think could win it all. And they're one of my five. So I hope my jinx doesn't rub off on Marquette. It already took out Virginia. Oh, so, that's a rough round for yeah. that. Yeah. So now we got Kansas, Marquette, um, Alabama, and UConn left out of my, my original five that I said could win it all. Marquette is a good basketball team. They're, they're hot. They've won a ton of games in a row. They believe in themselves. They've got this emotional kick to them. Like, even if I wasn't living in this city, I would believe in them right now. Yeah, they definitely are a good team. But all kidding aside, uh, not why I had you on the show. Um, we are once again in a spring of Rogers, I'll call it. We had the summer of far back in 2000, wait, 2008, which we'll talk about in a second. This is for the third year in a row, the spring of Rogers. And, uh, I guess for the first time, the fact that he wants out is actually looking like it's going to happen as he was on Pat McAfee yesterday and had this to to say to Pat McAfee show. At this point, as I sit here, you know, I think since Friday, uh, I made it clear that my intention was to play and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. So my intention was to play and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. When you heard him say that yesterday... What was the first kind of thing that popped in your head? Well, so so you got to know that uh, at the time that Rogers was on the show, that he was on Pat McAfee, we were also on the air. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny because we we went on the air live at noon thinking that we would hear something of substance from him right away. And so for the first 18 minutes from, from noon until 1218, we're on the air and we're, you know, we're what they call vamping, right? We're just, we're just sort of killing some time, talking about, you know, possibilities with Jordan love and the run game and whatever. And then after 18 minutes, we went to commercial break and that's when he said it. So, so it did. That's my, that's my way of saying that, that my first reaction was let's get back on the air. So, you know, yeah, sorry. It's, it was, um, it was that, uh, you know, that, that reaction was, uh, it was a little bit shocking because there was a, a time in that interview where I was like, he's not going to say anything at all. He's just kind of, pitching what has happened with him in this off season. But then when that came in, it's, it's, it's different. It's different than what's happened with Rogers for the last few years. And, and there's two main reasons. One is Rogers is not a guy that shares a lot of information, personal information and likes to control that to the point where he has this disdain for Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport. He even talked about that. Uh, yeah. when McAfee. So nice try to lose my number. <laughs> right? That's something, right? Because you know that if you see Adam Schefter say something, it's fact, right? Like it's, you know, he's that clued in. So, you know, Rogers has a different way of approaching his information. So the fact that that's out there tells you that it's, it's a, you know, a legitimate thing. It's straight from the source. It's, uh, you know, that's the way he chose to get that out through McAfee, but he got that information out at least. And the other half is this is so different than the other off seasons because everything was, reports and rumors and timing news timing you remember it was draft day in 2021 when rogers uh like his 
his problems with the Packers first came to light, and it was in April. It was a month after the season. Uh, this was not the case this time. This whole offseason has been a little more of a who controls the flow of information, which is why Mark Murphy popped up on a high school girls basketball broadcast to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Like, what what world is that? You know, that that's crazy to me. And then Rodgers has responded through his own outlet, his own source, to put information out there. So for the first time, this very private affair between quarterback and team is playing out in public. That tells me that it's different and it's going to end differently than the last few years. Yeah, and when, it, when McAfee first announced that he was going to have Rodgers on Wednesday, I'm like, well, what's probably going to ha- I think could happen is the teams come to an agreement um, and they wait till Rodgers appears on McAfee to announce it publicly, you know, because both teams are kind of on eggshells because Rodgers is, a, as Murphy said a couple years back, he's a complicated fella, so you don't want to piss him off either way so you're kind of going to dance around and then I woke up the next morning especially after I read that McAfee might be looking for a new uh major sponsor instead of FanDuel and it's like well this comes out Rogers is coming on probably going to have the most viewers ever for his show because Rogers is on everybody's expecting him to say something breaking so I'm like He's probably just going to give what he wants to do, but the trade's not going to be done. And it's looking like it might not be done for a while. And last year, if they would have traded him to Denver, you'd likely get that Russell Wilson haul, probably minus Drew Locke, because uh, Jordan loves their guy, even though Goody did like Drew Locke coming out of college. But now everybody knows Rodgers wants out. Everybody knows he wants to play for the Jets. So that obviously hurts negotiation for both sides a little bit. What do you think the Packers get at this point for Aaron Rodgers? I don't think it's not going to be anywhere near the Russell Wilson or Matt Stafford hall, but what do you think say appropriate comp- compensation for Rodgers at this point? Yeah, that there's, by the way, the other thing that's, that's different about this off season, how many times ever in a, in a situation like this, do you hear one report saying, well, the Packers are seeking multiple first round picks and the other picks as well. And then another report the next day saying, no, the Packers aren't seeking that at all. Like it's, it, it's so crazy to me that, that what is being asked is, is also playing out through reports. We're also hearing that, that sort of thing. I think realistically to the game, the Packers could could get, I think, a first rounder plus some more. You know, I don't know exactly what the plus some more would be, but I, I think, I mean, I, Aaron Rodgers at a younger age might get you more first round picks. He might get you whatever. But the Jets, I think the Jets, in order to play ball in this situation, understand that they can only mortgage so much. And if they're mortgaging, it's going to be the future and not the present. So I think the idea of the Packers receiving some really big impact offensive player in in the trade, probably not something that's going to happen because if the Jets are acquiring Rodgers and they want to win now because Rodgers has that small window left in his career, then they have to keep all of the offensive weapons that they have. So say, look, I think two firsts would be fine, but I think at this stage of the game, maybe a first and a second or a third, something down the line would be good. I saw one report that that the Packers are uh, looking to protect themselves a couple years down the road in case case Rodgers continues to play. So perhaps a 2025 pick would be in play because that's the year after uh, the end of this current deal with Rodgers. So I don't know. That's a complicated answer for a complicated fellow, but maybe, maybe the first, a first and a second might be the way to go. Yeah, I was thinking first conditional third that could become a second or a second conditional fourth that could become a second. Uh, That's kind of what I'm thinking at this point. And with Alan Alan Lazard signing with them, with uh, Randall Cobb likely signing with them, the Jets have a pretty full wide receiver room and they have two guys, well, now three guys who've been named quite a bit from that wide receiver room, there's Mims, who's really underachieved since being drafted out of, I want to say, Baylor. Elijah Moore, who I don't know how him and LaFleur get along after he had some not-so-nice thing to say about LaFleur's brother during the season. And then Davis, who I think has one year left on his contract, but has a pretty big cap hit as it is, so he'll probably need to be renegotiated anyways. Do any of those three guys kind of make you say, yes, give me that guy? 
because Cobb is going to take reps away from Elijah Moore, just like he did Amari Rogers. And they don't need uh, Davis or Mims if they got Lazard, Cobb, uh, Wilson in their wide receiver room. So any of those three make you say, yes, give me him. More Elijah Moore is probably the first, um, you know, the first option that comes to mind. But but your point perfectly. It's like, OK, you could choose to have this guy. But, uh, you know, Elijah Moore may not be a really uh, high spoken of name in the Lafleur household with, you know, when they, play their, when they have their holiday dinners. I don't know if Elijah Moore is, a, you know, a good topic of conversation. So if you have that doubt already coming in, that's going to affect things a little bit Moore would be a, a, a good pick for this offense. Because the the Packers are, from a position standpoint at receiver, they're doing something in the last year or two that they have not done before. I mean, really in this last year, where they've taken these young receivers and they've tried to make them earlier than they normally would be into impact guys. It worked wonderfully with Christian Watson. It didn't work as great with Romeo Dobbs. I still think it will over time. The problem with that is there is a curve, and it, that's what we learned with Watson was they tried to go to him, literally play one game one, and and that was terrific for that young man's confidence eventually. But in that moment, <laughs> the entire fan base is like, are you kidding? This rookie receiver couldn't catch that bat? So it's that's a tough thing, right? And and the Packers could do something similar, I think, with young receivers, or if they bring in a guy like an Elijah Moore, somebody like that, they can continue that pattern. But there is a a growing pain that comes with it, and I think that growing pain is worse with Jordan Love only because he just doesn't have the same number of years of experience bringing guys along. The Packers knew that Rodgers was good enough to turn a rookie receiver into a legitimate receiver in 12 weeks. Don't know if Jordan Love has that capability yet at this phase of his career. He could, but I don't know if it's the case. And I'm going to get to Jordan Love in a little bit, but I guess the big thing is, regardless of what they get from this trade, putting weapons around Jordan Love is probably going to be key. They're involved in the trade, or if you do get that 13th pick, might have to do something for the first time since 2004, or 2001, I mean. I think it was 2001 they drafted Walker, or the 2004. Either way, draft a wide receiver in the first round. It's been a while. I know I was either... In high school or just out of high school, one or the other. So um, there is one comment, um, another comment Rogers made, and one of the uh, people watching wants us to make a comment uh, about Robert Tanyan, which we can do that later. But there's a comment Rogers made, and I kind of want to get your thought on because I know you're closer to the team than I am um, with your, you know, covering the team for uh, CBS 58. But um, when I played that clip with Rodgers and the Jets, did you hear that okay? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So here, here's another thing that makes me kind of scratch my head a little bit. I was drafted by Green Bay. Love that city. Love that organization. And always going to have love for that organization. But the facts are right now, they want to move on. Oh, my God, it's right there. I see it. And now, mm-hmm. and now so do I. <laughs> so – I, they want to move on, and I cut out a I, – I uploaded the wrong clip, actually. But there's right before that part of that clip, he was talking about treating the veterans, how they treat the veterans. Is there – do you – is that something that you've – maybe I don't – you know, obviously don't don't want you to, you know, if you're uncomfortable – answer in a certain way that's fine but rogers talks about how they treat the veterans how they he mentioned jordy brett gould uh, by name and it's you know it's like they have a thing about letting guys go a year too soon and just the way they handle that process he has a problem with do you see an issue or have observed an issue with that process at all as, as far as inside the locker room, I don't I don't see anything where where, for example, a veteran player wouldn't wouldn't be treated well inside that locker room. I think I think players do a very good job of making sure the veteran players are taken care of. That's a, that's sort of an in-house sort of thing. But when you're talking about the way the franchise handles, uh, you know, guys who are approaching the downhill curve. The thing is, Rogers, and I know he said it at the podium a couple years ago when he came back from that that summer of discontent when he was gone, and he said the same thing, and he listed off five or six names. Here's the thing, and and this is this is when you separate your love for an all time great quarterback from the logical side of things that the franchise has to do. 
those names mentioned, Jordy Nelson, and I'm going to mention some more, Greg Jennings, TJ Lang, Josh Sitton. These were guys that were mild to major surprises when they were cut by the Packers, and they didn't have much left. I mean, if you if you take what Jennings gave the Vikings and the Dolphins and what Jordy gave the Raiders and what TJ Lang gave the Lions, Sitton went to the Bears, right? Yeah. Uh, and what Sitton gave the Bears none of that contribution was anywhere near the same level that they, they gave the Packers. So Rogers says they, they, they may not treat these guys right in the sense of not keeping them around for an extra year, but the Packers have kept their model successful by doing exactly that, making the unpopular decision to let a guy go a year early. And then a year or two later, people seeing that and going, Oh yeah, they were probably right about that. These guys were on the decline and and the team properly spotted it and properly adjusted to it. It's no fun. I mean, I get it. I, man, let me tell you, I would, I would love to grab some of my friends from like younger years of my life and go play softball or some other sport with them for the next 30 years. I'd love it, but we're older. I'm older. You know, I can't run anymore. You don't want to bust your Achilles again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Too soon. Many. I don't know too soon <laughs> As, no it's it's uh but you know what i mean like that yeah. that that he yeah that's chemistry and you and you can't chemistry is something that's that's tricky and i get that that's part of it but i mean look if if that if that's where we're hanging our hat the packers win that argument because yeah. they fight almost every time yeah and i don't have an issue with letting a guy go too soon than too late cuz you mentioned those names in particular but Rodgers didn't really have much to say when Lang and Sitton and some of those guys, Peppers, get let go. I think what really made him a little not happy and really started all of this is when they let Jordy Nelson go. I think that is, and I know, I think either right before that or right after that, Rodgers signed an extension that he probably didn't have to sign yet, but they did. And I think right around that time is when Rodgers really started to say, hmm, they're not really respecting me too well. I don't agree with that per se, that they weren't respecting him, but I think that's where he really started to get that thought in his head. I guess, where do you see the unhappiness? I know some people point to drafting Jordan Love. I think it was before Jordan Love, and Jordan Love was just, as they say, the straw that broke the camel's back. Where do you think this whole discontent between Rodgers and the front office kind of stemmed from? Well, I think you you hit it on the head that Jordy's release was a, a big chunk of of where this really started to sting a little bit for Rodgers. And I think for him, it's it's maybe a little less of of understanding that someone might have talent that he could bring out. Like Jordy Nelson playing that one extra year with Rodgers would have been much better than Jordy Nelson playing that year in Oakland. No question, he he would have been a better player. He wouldn't have been the old Jordy, but he would have been a better player. Uh, the, to me, I don't think it's a personnel thing. I think it's an inclusion thing. And I think Rodgers was in a position and has been for the last few years where he feels like he has given a lot of self in his time and his talents to help this organization succeed. And I think he thought that they might start bringing him in a little bit more, cluing him in a little bit more on the on the decision making process what what they're thinking, what they'd like to do, that sort of thing. Uh, and then, you know, from there, it, you can split this in a couple of different directions because do, do I think it's a good idea to include a franchise player who's clearly a very intelligent man in the decision-making process? Yeah, I think it's probably a pretty good idea. But Rodgers, by virtue of going to the podium and then going on McAfee also and name-checking these guys, is showing you that, there are probably times where the heart interferes with the head. And, and again, this is, look, I don't envy Brian Gudikins and I didn't envy Ted Thompson either. Like, you know, they, those guys take a lot of grief throughout the years because, you know, everybody who's watching knows that the next, this free agent could get you to the Super Bowl. You should sign him, but it's never that easy. There's, there's so much else involved and there's so much, uh, that has to do with, you know, with, with ledgers and, and salary caps. And, you know, there's, there's a lot that isn't just football mixed in football. It's the nature of the salary cap NFL. So in that case, it isn't that they don't trust Rogers. I think they have to use a different thought process with their mind 
versus Rodgers, who would be using his heart, which is why he he stays attached to the players and they move on from him. Yeah, and, you know, he got them to bring uh, Randall Cobb back, which Goody even said, which I was quite surprised him to be so candid that he probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Rodgers anyway. So Jordan Love drafted him in 2021, uh, surprised a lot of people, myself included, um, rather than a wide receiver or linebacker. I know uh, Queen's name was thrown in there. They should have traded up for Jefferson, which I don't think they would have been able to anyways. They just didn't have enough ammo in their draft to picks ability to do that. But they draft Jordan Love in 2021. I think the plan was to start him sooner, but obviously uh, the you know the pandemic year stunted his growth a little bit. Plus you have Rodgers back-to-back MVPs. And I don't think Goody's been able to actually execute his plan until now. Um, if Rodgers doesn't win those back-to-back MVPs, are we probably moving on from Rodgers sooner? He did mention that yesterday, too, that his back-to-back MVPs kind of hurt that timeline a little bit. Do you agree with that, or do you think it was more that Goody just wasn't able to execute his timeline due to other people in the front office and maybe on the coaching staff? Oh, no, Rodgers, in my mind, made it made it the most pleasant dilemma humanly possible for the Packers, which is to say, a wrench in their plans by being the best player in the National Football League. So the Packers really benefited from that because they had an MVP for a couple of years and it did throw a wrench in, in Goody's timeline. I I have maintained, and, and this is nothing other than, than what's coming from here. I don't have sources or anything on this, but I've maintained for a couple of years that the timing of the Jordan Love pick had to do excuse me, with with not just the timing of Aaron Rodgers in his career, but also the timing of the pandemic. Because at the time that draft took place, we didn't know what anything was going to look like in the world. Remember, that was like six weeks in to yeah. the pandemic. And so there was no there were no sports. Nothing was playing. The NFL didn't know how they would get a schedule going. Baseball didn't. Basketball was trying to play in a bubble. They were trying to get that together. So we oh, were always. Yeah, th- yeah, there was nothing. I mean, I remember uh, Badgers had their pro day, and and when when uh, COVID hit, we ran every frame of video from that pro day because we had nothing else to talk about. Like we we must have run that for weeks, um, and we wouldn't have done that normally. So anyway, that, so, so here this is my point. I think there was a risk factor involved in this and risk mitigation that that Goody said at some point you have to draft the replacement. Why not now if you if there may not be a 2020 season or if it might be abbreviated or if Rodgers or some other veterans decide they don't want to continue participating? Because this is before we, you know, we didn't know about immunized at that point. That wasn't happening at that point. So uh, I, to me, that that has a lot to do with the timing of the of the Jordan Love pick. And I think in a in a normal world, uh, Jordan Love spends a year, maybe uh, maybe two and he ends up in that position. But. Aaron Rodgers is absolutely the best human being on the planet when he's got the chip on his shoulder. And that's all it took was taking a quarterback to put the chip on his shoulder. And honestly, if you listen to this thing with McAfee yesterday, the Jets are just the newest chip, right? That's 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 really what this boils down to. Rodgers was, what did he say, 90% on retirement? And then all of a sudden he hears from people around the league that he is being shot. And he's like, oh, well, all right, now I'm going to come back and play for the Jets chip on his shoulder and we've seen he's the best at that point yeah and i think he's getting a little too much in his feelings you talked about the heart and not the brain i think he was i think he's getting a little too much in his feelings with regards to them having conversations about planning um he also mentioned on mac i think it was mcafee prior to the darkness retreat that the rumor from scheffler rapaport came out that they were making plans um, without him in it. And to me, that's just smart because you have Rodgers, who's either going to play for you or retire at that point. And you got to think about what happens if plan A, Rodgers is your quarterback, which that was probably plan B. But anyway, plan A, Rodgers is your quarterback. Rodgers retires. What's your plan B? And again, I mentioned earlier, you have to plan to surround love with as much weapons and support and protection 
as you possibly can. So I don't really have an issue with them thinking about life after Rodgers. And I think he was maybe a little, I don't know, too sensitive about that. I guess what's your thought there? Well, he was. if he was 90% toward retirement, I think the Packers were absolutely in their rights to think about life post-Rodgers because you can't, you know, the one thing he said he didn't want to do was to hold the franchise hostage. But if he was 90% on retirement, I don't think he can be upset with them for literally planning a whole life, you know, post Rodgers, a future post Rodgers, because it sounded like that was a pretty likely possibility and they have to be ready. They can't just let this thing completely hit the ground. You know, this is, it's not how they, any, any NFL team can't operate that way. So I think, yeah, I think the Packers are well within their, their rights to, to do what they, what they had to do. Um, if, you know, if there's, if Rodgers was upset that, that, they didn't telegraph their intentions to him about a trade sooner. I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of value in it. But again, I think I think they have spent years, the last three years, really, sort of looking to him first, right? Like, okay, lead us here. You, you tell us your intention. We'll fill out around it. And the problem is, as he drags his feet, they get hurt by the process. You go through the combine and you don't know what's going on with them. And you, and, and he was hours away from starting free agency with, with, with a lot of the world, not knowing what was going on with him. So if he just made that decision on Friday, which, you know, I, I'm not a math major, so this could be wrong, but I think that's March 10th. Um, if he, if he only knew that since March 10th, They've had a lot of work they've had to get done without an answer from Rodgers. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't throw a lot of blame the Packers way. It'd be nice to keep Rodgers, but they do have to plan. Yeah, and of all people who knows what that's like is number 12 himself because he went through all that when he was drafted in Green Bay in tw- uh, 2005 with Brett Favre there and the, oh, shucks, I don't know. I might retire. I got to go sit on the tractor and – you know, cut my yard and I'll figure out after I get off the tractor what I want to do. Um, and that, that would basically been since 2000 that that was going on. And then finally, 2007 or 2008, after the 2007 season, we have the press conference where he's teary eyed at the podium saying he's done. And then we have the summer of Favre. Rogers was there for all that. So he knows that, you know, that could happen. And Kind of want to get your thoughts, quick jump back in the way back machine. And I, you weren't in Milwaukee yet. In two, <coughs> sorry about that. <laughs> you weren't in Milwaukee yet in 2008 when the summer of Favre happened. But from outside Milwaukee, that perspective, outside of Wisconsin perspective, what was, I guess, that like from an outsider looking in on what was going on? I mean, we were, so at the time, I'll tell you, I was working at a station in Florida. And and Favre's indecision not only was something that was broadcast everywhere, you know what I mean? It was it was a part of the culture. Remember, there were commercials where Favre was like, oh, I want to pick this TV. I don't know which one I want. Right. Like this was something the whole world knew about. And yeah. it obviously affected the lives of people in Wisconsin. But it was it was seen everywhere, including in Florida. And it affected people in other cities that cover other teams. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the time had training camp at Disney. Disney has a, like a football complex, it's actually a really nice complex. Uh, and the Buccaneers were training at that time. Um, for us, what it meant was I had on a day that I was supposed to be off, I was in because there was a rumor and who knows where it came from back then that Brett Favre was, was thinking about joining Tampa Bay. And so now you have to spend a day at Tampa Bay Buccaneers camp trying to ask the current coach and current quarterback and current players about some dude who's not even there, right? Uh, so, you know, it, it's an uncomfortable day to try to, you know, have them address these rumors. And, there you know, there are ways to do it. you got to handle it the proper way. And so, you know, we did, but – it was it was interesting because that I spent a whole day in 2008 floating around Tampa Bay Buccaneers camp in in Orlando and asking Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans, you know, which I'm sure you folks in, in Milwaukee did at the time, too. Hey, fan who came out to training camp. What do you think if Brett Favre is coming here or not coming here? You know, so it affected uh, I mean, it just everybody nationwide. But I but I cannot imagine other than seeing like, the you know, the helicopter coming and picking him up and, and all the, the stuff like that. I, I cannot imagine how that arrested 
the daily sports lives in the state of Wisconsin. But I've seen exactly how this Rogers thing arrests the daily sports lives. I've had enough meetings at work, you know, that, that have been like, all right, well, if he retires, what do we do? I mean, look at, you know, to pull the curtain back a little bit, uh, there is a six and a half minute story ready to run right now on Rogers retiring from football. We, we did it already. Like if, if Rogers in the middle of this conversation said, you know what? I changed my mind and you turned over to CBS 58, we have a six and a half minute story ready to go. So what Rogers does affects the lives of sports fans and sports media in the state. And it's, it's just a matter of what it is. Yeah. Um, so I work a part-time producer at WTMJ. So I know exactly what you're saying. Cause we late uh, middle of last week, email comes out from our con- uh, assistant uh, content director. This is the Rogers plan. If Rogers makes it his decision during the week, this is how we're going to do it. If he does it on the weekend, this is how we're going to do it. And when he, when McAfee made the announcement that he uh, was coming on the show, email comes out, uh, be ready to enact the plan. So yeah, you know, we, you know, we might not be the flagship station of the Packers anymore, but us, 94.5, 100.5, ESPN Wisconsin, uh, for, you know, those that don't know, we all have the plan ready to go on what happens if, regardless of what Rogers says. He could have just said, I changed my socks, and I'm sure we would have had something planned for that. But, yeah, he definitely is controlling, you know, what's being talked about and discussed about all over the place in sports media. So, so and- here- uh, because, you know, most I would imagine most of the people watching about this don't, you know, do not work in sports media. So I think this is an important distinction to make when they announced that Rogers was going to be on McAfee at noon. Were you relieved? Because we were. Yeah, I was. I wasn't working there yesterday because I'm mostly on weekends. But I'm like, finally, we're going to have something. Something happen tomorrow that could be of some value of the Rogers plan, which I'm sure you guys have that email of the Rogers plan too. even, you know, mentioned you have that six minute video already. Yeah. And it's at a set time, right? Like that's the key that we, we've been scared to death forever. And it's not the first off season. We've had this conversation. Hey, put these contacts in your phone as emergency contacts. Cause if he announces something at eight 30 in the morning, I got to get you out of bed. And the fact that, that he said he's going to be on McAfee at noon, was a relief. It was a literal relief because, hey, everybody show up at 11. Let's set the plan. Ready to push the button. Here yep. we go. And it's, 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 it's amazing what working in this, in this line of work with Aaron Rodgers doing this, how it changes your life. It's fascinating. Definitely does. And before we jump on the Jordan love, there's a Wondering if, and I've seen people bring it up on social, and it kind of made me ha- say, hmm, again, is he's talking about who was around when they drafted him. Ted Thompson, uh, Bob Harlan. Uh, uh, I can't think of the one that went, uh, Kent, uh, Dorsey, mm-hmm. uh, Schneider, Elliot Wolf. And I know he wasn't, and uh, McKenzie, and I know he wasn't really in a position of power yet. He was a scout with the Packers. But he left that name out. He mentioned people in the training room. He mentioned people in the equipment room. He mentioned people wherever, but he didn't mention Goody at all. Of you know, of people that were around when he was drafted. He doesn't make he doesn't do I, I don't think he does stuff unintentional. Do you think there is something intentional there that he doesn't mention Goody at all during any of this or Murphy during any of this um conversation? And so the thought hadn't occurred to me before you said it, <laughs> but then when you also say he does very little unintentional, you got that right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they like instantly when you put the two and two together on it, it makes more sense. It's, it's interesting because that, that thought actually had not occurred to me that those names had not been dropped when he's been going through the process. And it, and it could be that because these are negotiations, he is, doing his best maybe to protect the other party in the negotiations like that, that can happen. You know, you're, you're trying to get a deal done. You're trying Rogers is in his case, trying to continue his career and he's decided it's going to be elsewhere. So he's protecting the people, you know, potentially that, that could trade. So that is a possibility, but no, you, 
your logic is pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah. It just made me wonder. He 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 can talk about plays that he ran when he was running the scout team as a rookie, but yet he doesn't mention Goody was a scout. I'm sure he had conversations with Goody during uh during that time too. So it's it kind of made me wonder. And Jordan Love. A lot of people and, and this is where I hate message board, like, like Facebook groups or message boards or comment sections on anything. Because basically the assumption is, and even some sports talk radio around town, that the Packers are just going to suck next year because Jordan Love is going to suck. And I think we're putting undue expectations if we're expecting Jordan Love to come in and be Aaron Rodgers of 2020 or 2021 because he's not going to be. If he can be Aaron Rodgers of 2008, I'm perfectly okay with that. I'm perfectly fine with that being the expectation. But what are your thoughts on Jordan Love? You've been around him more than me. I just watch what I see on social media and TV and all that. I know you've been to practice, been to games, been to training camps. What are your thoughts watching Jordan Love these past, uh, well, I guess two years, or I guess just one year, because anyways... What are your thoughts watching Jordan Love these past few years develop? And I bring that up because I know in 2021 you couldn't be around. And then and uh, up until last this past year, you couldn't be in the locker room. But just being around Love, like what are your thoughts on him? So I think you gotta split when you when you analyze what Jordan Love could bring to the 2023 Packers, I think you've got to split it. There, there, there's a split uh of how you analyze it. And you start with what you see on on the field. We have a small sample from what's happened on the field during games. He filled in on that one COVID game in Kansas City in 2021, filled in in Philadelphia when the Packers were in, you know, just in a, in a dire straight in 2022. That It's not enough to, to give you a, a full read on it, but I think that Love's confidence has noticeably grown just in the small sample size because the game samples are the only thing that you're really going to be able to, to, to go off of for real. That's, that's in-game action. And I thought that small sample in Philly was enough to make me think, okay, this is good. It, it doesn't mean that he you know, handles all defenses and all adjustments and all situations that well, but he handled that one pretty well. And that was, that was a big plus. The practice version of Jordan Love has been a methodical process. And, man, if there is any place on earth where you could get three years of just practice reps – and come out a superstar, hmm, I think that's happened before. <laughs> so the, the fact that they did the same thing with Rodgers with a different group, obviously, in, in the back in the mid-2000s, tells you that, that there's a game plan and that, that Love has followed that game plan. So that's, that's this half. The other half is a, a quarterback has a different role in my mind in a, in a team. The reason why that, that position is so important and why it's been important to the Packers is there's a leadership quality and a professionalism quality to, to what goes on. And you can say anything you want about Rodgers, about the stuff that's happened off the field, about the weirdness of the off seasons. But there are very few people on earth that, that have the sheer will and the sheer ability to make things happen in these tight little windows, in these tight situations, to have the memory recall, to have the physical ability to, to get stuff done than Aaron Rodgers. And Jordan Love may not have that, that sort of skill, that sort of top. But the one thing he's done that's impressed me tremendously is Love has been an absolute professional through three years of roller coaster. Because, uh, look, I, <laughs> you and I are both in this situation, and anybody else that covers the team is in this situation. We've all probably thrown some object across a room <laughs> over the thing that's happened, Rogers related, over the last three years. I've done it. And I don't think Jordan Love has. I think he's, you know, if he or if he has, he's he's kept that away from other people. He's been he's been a professional. He's been someone who is paying attention, who is learning like a sponge, who's connecting with his teammates. And I think if I'm a young Packers receiver, it's tough to lose Rodgers. But I like what I see in 10 in that case. Now, you know, again, we'll look at physical capability as a different thing. But I, I will I go into battle with 10 as a young receiver? Absolutely. And I think he can rely on that while the physical skills develop. That's a big part. Yeah. And, and I know the odds are against it, but if love develops into a hall of fame level quarterback, 
I'm wondering if we're going to be talking about Jordan Love being traded to the Jets in 15 to 18 years. Because Rodgers gets drafted in 05. In 05-06, Rodgers does not look good at all. He did not look the part. And I know a lot of people are like, why did we draft, you know, why did you draft this guy? Thankfully, early days of social media, we didn't have everybody's instant reaction to the way he uh, tied his shoes in the afternoon. (laughs) 2007 against the Cowboys, he has to relieve Favre, and he almost brings the Packers back from behind to beat the Cowboys uh, on prime time. And that was the moment where I think it made the front office go, hmm, I think we got something special here and really made them comfortable enough that we are ready for it. We are ready to move on. And I think that Philadelphia moment, that Philadelphia game, I think might've been that moment. I know it was a smaller sample size, but I think that Philadelphia game was that moment for Murphy and Goo to say, I think we could be okay if we move on. Do you think that's kind of overreading that? 10 throws or do you think that's probably where they're getting their I think we're okay yeah I mean they they've seen Jordan Love every day and they were they were comfortable enough with what they've seen from Jordan Love every day to say repeatedly we have confidence in him and I think that's that's not a hot air I think that's true and the 10 throws are sort of the the icing on the cake you know the the uh the the game in Philly the little sample size in Philly was enough for them to go okay but it's not just, you know, quarterback for quarterback. It's also team for team and position for position. Jordan Love's going to make a different salary. He's going to be a different person. And the Packers are going to be able to build things a little bit differently. I think if, and, and, I, and I understand I'm twisting timelines here, but I think if we were talking about this with Rodgers in 2016 uh, or, or, you know, 2017 in that in that range, I think this could have been an absolute nightmare because the Packers were in bad shape in a lot of different positions at that time. And it finally caught up to them when they fired McCarthy, the two bad seasons they had there. What they have now is Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, who are a formidable combination. And they have an offense that, that can, (laughs) I don't say they always do, but they can utilize both of them effectively. I know the defense was short of expectation in 2022, but that defense is loaded with talent and I wonder if just simply by by what would be the opposite of regression, I guess, progression, right? Like they just just the odds tell you that that same group trotted out next year will be a little bit better because there is talent on that defensive side of the ball. So Jordan Love doesn't have to do what Aaron Rodgers had to do for a long time to win games for this Packers team. And I think that is the most important thing they've done. It's not about training Jordan Love to be a starting quarterback or handling Aaron Rodgers. It was about building the other parts to be strong so that you don't have to completely depend on the quarterback position. And they're in a they're in a good place with that in my mind. The line has been solid, the running backs have been terrific, and that defense will get better. And I think they tried doing that in 2022 a little bit is let's take some of the pressure off of 12. We have a strong running game. We have a on paper good defense. You know, we have some young receivers here, so we can lean on the running game and the defense while we get this offense how we want it. But then you had the broken thumb happen. And then even before and then after the whole broken thumb, it, it didn't look like Rogers to me was as willing to run the LaFleur offense like he did in twenty one and twenty when he went back to back MVPs. It didn't look like he was as willing to to run the main concepts of it. They do RPOs, and he knew they were throwing the ball every time they did an RPO. They yeah. could have walked. I think there was it was a, I think it was Dylan could have walked in for a touchdown on an RPO if they give it to Dylan. Instead, he tries to throw the Lazard and it goes incomplete. I think one of the things you do get with Jordan Love is you're going to get the true concepts of what Lafleur wants to do offensively, and that's have motion, have have you can line up in this formation and you can run pretty much any of your offense out of that formation run or pass and i think this year they were too handcuffed on they couldn't do a lot of those with the, that for those different formations because rogers didn't like motion all of a sudden not all of a sudden but he was fine doing it uh the year or two prior but all of a sudden this past year he didn't want to do it yeah so you're you're looking at you're looking at sort of a, a difference of direction, right? I mean, Rodgers had 
spent a lot of years using a specific skill set, willing a, a team, you know, developing these receivers and then taking the receivers that were there and making them great. And then, you know, the rest of the team just sort of falling in as it fell in. And, and it's not, it's something that doesn't have to happen anymore. And as you say, you know, the thing about love is, and we're not talking better or worse, we're just talking a different person, a different, uh, you know, he's younger and he has not been through those years. So if you give Jordan love this set of instructions, I think Jordan love follows it closer, doesn't audible out. You know, you have a lot more of the coach's game plan getting followed more directly. That could be better. It could be worse, but, but I think it's at least, you're going to bring in, you know, a coach like Matt LaFleur, who's had a great deal of regular season success. Let him run his offense. And I think Jordan Love can allow him to do that. Yeah. So I'm both excited and, you know, it's kind of, you know, the whole bittersweet thing. You know, it's sad that, you know, 15 years of Rodgers playing quarterback is coming to an end more than likely. And I say more than likely because until it's officially done, you never know what could happen. <laughs> Rodgers can say, nope, I want to play for you again and completely throw everything else off. But anyway, it's, you know, it, it was the same feeling with Favre, and Favre was a lot more likable, even though he kind of he's definitely rubbed me the wrong way during his final days in Green Bay and everything he's done post Green Bay. He's definitely rubbed me the wrong way. But Rodgers is dumped down when he takes over, booed at family night, booed in training camp, um, booed during the preseason. Everybody seems to love him, and now everybody is uh, turning. And I, I don't know if turning on Rodgers is the right word, but now everybody is, I guess, trying to put their own little spin on what kind of quarterback Rodgers was in Green Bay. I feel he was an elite quarterback, that there are many reasons why they couldn't get back to winning the Super Bowl, and some of it falls on, falls on him. Some of it falls on the Thompson regime towards the tail end there when he probably should have been replaced due to his health. I guess what pops in your head when you think Aaron Rodgers and how you're going to remember him as a Green Bay Packer? Well, Rodgers on the field is the best. I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. He's the least mistake prone elite quarterback that's ever played the game. He, he will give you the most great plays, touchdowns, effective plays with the least number of mistakes humanly possible. Uh, and numbers aren't even close. And, and so that, that puts you in an elite category all on its own. It's opened him up to a little bit of criticism early in his career. They felt like he took sacks too much late in his career. It felt like maybe he didn't take the chances that he could have taken, but that was his approach. And he was better at it than anybody who has ever played the game. And there are, there's frustration because a quarterback of Roger stature probably should have had multiple rings. But that affects quarterbacks throughout generations. We can go back to the Marinos and the Warren Moons and all those guys. Like That's not just a Rodgers thing. And then if you really wanted to break it down, you could ask some fun. You could say that Rodgers made five NFC championship games. They lost one in Atlanta because they had a guy from Section 119 guarding. Right? I mean, Let's not forget a defensive tackle playing guard and Ripkowski <laughs> playing running back by the end of the game. I mean, it was like it was, the rest of the thing was a disaster. Like, what do you do? Julio Jones is the best receiver in the game, and you're guarding him with a guy off the street. Uh, they played an NFC Championship game in Seattle that looks much differently if after an interception, uh, you know, that you don't have the get down, get down, and then the McCarthy conservatism that, that led to the field goal that led to the overtime, right? Like, you, you can say, I think, that those two games – fall on other factors. And and then you can say that there were games that that Rodgers just simply should have been better. Uh and and that he would tell you the same. That does happen. He wasn't it wasn't immortal, you know. But uh I, I think Rodgers goes down as an all-time elite quarterback uh who who took this sort of high touchdown, low interception, you know, few mistakes approach to the game and brought it to the top level of football. It just made it as, as good as it had ever been. And I think, you know, those of us who, who will go on and tell kids and grandkids that, that we saw him play, we'll spend 40% of our time talking about stuff that isn't on the field because we saw the last three or four years of Rogers career. And it has become, 
almost an obsession with so many other things. Like you said, if he ties his shoes, then all of a sudden it's a thing. And who's he tying his shoes with? And where is he? And what's, what's he doing now? And, you know, what, what is a darkness retreat? What is ayahuasca? You know, and he's, he's led us on this, this unintentional, maybe not intentional journey of so many things that, that don't have a ton of things to do with, with football because we try to, uh, to understand the man. I think he's, Maybe a difficult guy to understand, but an easy guy to watch play most of his career. Yeah, and to me, I I just think back of the Atlanta game they won in the playoffs that led them to the Super Bowl, and then that Super Bowl game itself. Two of the best quarterback games I've ever watched in my life, and I've been watching football as far back as I can remember, and those are probably the two best quarterback games I've ever seen. And Rodgers should have had at least two more touchdowns in the Super Bowl, and at least over another 100 yards passing in that Super Bowl. I think I, I remember the Jordy Nelson drop, where, and, and I think James Jones had a drop too, where if they catch that ball, there's nobody between them and the end zone. And those are, I guess, kind of moments that I truly am going to miss. And then the Detroit game, uh, Ford Field, where they beat Detroit after trailing, every minute pretty much of that game and they ended up winning with zero time left on the clock with that hail mary when he was quarterbacking you just always felt that you had a chance to win anytime number 12 was under center and i think the front office during those between 2011 and 2018 or 2017 i think was thompson's last year i think they just kind of got comfortable knowing that as long as we have 12 under center we can throw the guy selling peanuts in section 208, throw him on the field and have him cover Julio Jones. It will be fine. And I guess I just want to kind of close on. I think that just kind of shows you general people get on Goody a lot. Gutenkoos quite a bit. I think it just shows just actually how good of a general manager he is when you look at the bottom half of the roster during the final few years of Ted Thompson in Green Bay and compare it to now, and I don't mean that as a shot to disrespect Thompson. He did great things early, you know, up until his health got the better of him. And I don't fault him for that. I fault more of the organization not catching that for whatever reason. But he completely reshaped and revamped the bottom half of that roster while improving the top half. And we have all of a sudden three straight 13 win seasons. I think the Packers are in a good position to be successful post Rodgers, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. I think they're in good position to be successful once that trigger is pulled and Rodgers is either retired or a New York Jet. So when when you go back and you and you look at this at the the Rodgers era, maybe the last decade plus and what a franchise has learned from it. I think they've learned a handful of things. One thing I think they've learned is, is uh, maybe as Jordan Love develops, they, they won't allow the cycle to repeat because the Brett Favre cycle did completely repeat right down to a trade to the Jets. I think they might approach the quarterback position a little bit differently. That's one. The other one, and you, and you, this is a, a terrific insight on your part, going back to, to the, the, the Super Bowl win. The thing they said about that Super Bowl winning team, you remember this too, is like there was out of the 53 guys, it was like, what, 51 of them are homegrown from the roster. There was only one or two guys that came from the outside. John Kuhn was a, was a stealer, if I remember right. Yeah, and then Woodson, I think, were the uh, – Woodson, Pickett, and Kuhn, I think, were the three. And that was it, right? Yeah. I think in retrospect, one thing that we learned was that, that, a fo- that focus winning a championship turned out eventually – to be a negative. And, and I, what I mean by that is that the championship itself was great, but sometimes you do something that, that, that works and you think that that thing will then work six more times. And, and I think what the Packers learned was they tried to repeat that process and not go with, you know, signing free agents and not trying to improve positions, trying to make the entire thing about draft and develop and draft and develop can be a swing and a miss sometimes. And if you swing and a miss enough times, you get 2017 and 2018. And that, that to me, that's the other big lesson from the Aaron Rodgers era was Rodgers did cover up a lot of warts through the years uh, and, and draft and develop isn't a bad system, but it will create those warts. You have to mix it with something else. You have to 
bring guys in. And Brian Gutekinds watched all of that happen and I think is, is part of an era where the Packers won't repeat it. They still are draft and develop, just not 100% that. And I think that's they're better for it to, to understand that you have to mix it up. And I think they do spend more money at because I don't know 2019 they they got the Smiths they got Amos they got uh, Billy Turner I think I think he I think he would spend more but then you have the Rogers extension you got to pay for it I know salary cap this and that but it's hard to bring guys in if you don't have the cash on hand to give them right off the bat. As we're seeing in Oakland, with uh, Oakland, Las Vegas, I keep doing that with John Gruden. The rumors is they want to move on from not Gruden, uh, Josh McDaniels, but they can't because of the money they still owe John Gruden. They don't have enough cash on hand to move on from McDaniels, and that I think that hindered some free agent signings after that group of four. And then you have the pandemic year; you have no fans in attendance, so that hit the Packers' bottom line I think harder than any team in the NFL because you don't have billionaire owners. You depend on that that stadium being full every Sunday. And then you have the salary cap drop for the first time in the history of the salary cap by quite a bit. And I think that's really why we, you know, compare the end of, you know, the later part of Thompson's career to Goody more than to Wolf is we've seen the last couple of years where his hands have been tied where they haven't been able to bring anybody in. But like I said, I, I'm pretty confident and comfortable in the direction of Green Bay, even with Rodgers moving on. And is this the first year, and it was 2001, is this the first year since 2001 the Packers take a wide receiver in the first round? <laughs> I, I bet you they're going to take the best available because, <laughs> no, I, I mean – I, it's a possibility, but I, I got to tell you, I think it's it's a much greater possibility that they don't. I think they, I think they've got an idea that that they want to have that defense be young and tough and and just, you know, they they love uh, what some of the other really good dominant defenses have done through the years. I mean, look, the Ravens are the blueprint, and nobody is the Ravens of twenty years ago. But I, I think they see it right as as that potential. So I I would put my money on a defensive guy. Yeah, and safety is definitely a big need. Now, there's not really many first-round safeties available this year, but safety especially is a big need. And I wouldn't mind the defensive line being more aggressive and physical. That's I know Ray Lewis and Peter Boulware and uh, forget the other linebacker from Baltimore on that team. They get all the love. But it was your Tony Saragusas and your um, defensive line there was the biggest – reason why your linebackers were able to do the things that they have done and I think young youth wise D-line is getting better but I still don't quite know if it's uh quite there so I guess we'll find out and find out what they do I would love that we see receiver from Ohio State though I would definitely love him underneath dominating with Watson and Dobbs taking up taking off the top Jordan Love would love it yeah, I'm sure he would. So do want to appreciate you uh, coming on, talking with me. It's been way too long uh, that we've gotten a chance to talk some sports or what happens when sports stops. Uh, it's been way too long. Hopefully we don't have to talk about the second part of that anytime soon again. Just op- awkward year three years ago, really this week um, is when things really started to shut down. But again, I do appreciate you coming on and talking some Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love and Packers and whatnot. Um, with me and just want to thank you and if anyone wants to follow along with what you do and uh, you know some of the traveling and things that you do how can people get connected with you on social media well Evan thanks thanks again this is always a great conversation there's a lot always to talk about (laughs) well I think it will always be the case Uh, we're obviously at CBS 58 uh, uh, 10 o'clock show there 9 o'clock show on WMLW on a nightly basis and uh, on Twitter at 321QKevin. It's 321CUEKevin. And uh, yeah, I, I get, you know, you know the drill. I, I mean, we, I, I share information on there, but I also get a little weird. Like I put a little of myself in. <laughs> fun. You are definitely a must follow on Twitter. I will say that. You definitely <laughs> are a must follow. And some of, and I don't, hopefully I'm not giving out too much, you know, information you don't want out there. I definitely, you know, would love to be able to, uh, experience some of the travels you do where you're getting to experience minor league baseball like all over the country that's one thing i i strive to do someday next month 
want to be paying attention because we've got a plan. We've got a trip plan. My, my wife and I wanted to see uh, a baseball game in every state, all 50 states. We have one to go and we're going there next month. Hmm. Can I take as uh, you taking guesses on what state that is? Yeah, take a swing. It's either going to be Alaska or Hawaii. We did Alaska in 2016. So uh, Hawaii is the answer. Nice. I am excited to follow along on that. So again, uh, for those uh, watching, uh, watching whenever you are, this is going to be podcasted audio only anywhere podcasts are found uh, probably later tonight. And thank you for those that watched the live going to watch it later. Uh, Whenever you're going to watch it, appreciate it. And I will get back at you next week to Hopefully shift the focus more on NFL draft and Milwaukee Bucks who are currently leading the Pacers right now at home who have been playing some really outstanding basketball right now. But with that said, hope you have a great rest of your week and night and enjoy uh, March Madness a little bit. I'll get back at you later.